So, good morning. I am Pastor David. And uh, here, uh, Pastor Jeremy is away, by the way. He is uh, in Missouri, uh, attending his family reunion. And this is the first time the entire family is coming together after his dad's passing. So, he, so I'm here uh, filling in the pulpit uh, this morning. So, as we begin the uh, sermon, here's what I would like you to think about in your mind. Think about two people that you know. You know, your paths somehow crossed with theirs. One, both of them had great potential to succeed in life. Okay. Both of them, and again, you may have met them when they were small growing up. You may have met them in your schooling years, and whether it happens to be elementary school or middle school or high school, you may have met them in college, but you met them and you said to yourself, this person or these people have great potential to succeed in life. Okay? Now, of the two people, think about one person who actually succeeded in life. In fact, even exceeded your expectations. And think about another person. Things did not work out very well for him or her. And in the end, you said to yourself, boy, this person had great potential. But it did not turn out that way. Think about those two. By the way, I'm doing this, asking you to think about it because I, you know, I don't want to provide examples here in the sermon and embarrass people. And that's why, think about those. You and I have those kinds of people in our lives. And think about those two people and, and keep thinking about them as the sermon unfolds. Because the, today's sermon, we are going to talk about a person who had great potential. But in the end, things did not turn out that way. Here's a negative example. So as we continue our sermon series from the Old Testament book of Judges, this morning we have come to Judges chapters 13 through 16 that talk about Samson. So if you have your Bibles, please open it, whether it's your iPhone, your computer, iPad, or if you're using the church Bible, you will find those chapters, Judges chapters 13 through 16, beginning on page 270. The story of Samson, one of the judges in Israel, as described in Judges chapters 13 through 16. Now here's how one of the commentaries that I consulted summarized Samson's life. Here it is. There is no other deliverer in the book of Judges that matches Samson's potential. He is called prenatally by Yahweh. By the way, Yahweh is the name of God that the Israelites used at the time. He is called prenatally by Yahweh, stirred as a youth by the spirit of Yahweh, 
and empowered with extraordinary gifts by Yahweh. Yet, despite all these advantages, he accomplishes less on behalf of the people of Israel than any of his predecessors. Though he is impressive as an individual, he turns out to be anything but a military hero. He never leads Israel out in battle. He never engages the Philistines, that's their enemy nation, in martial combat. He never experiences a military victory. All his accomplishments are personal. All his victories, private. Now that's Samson. You see, an important question is, why did it turn out this way? And that's why I asked you to think about two different people. One really succeeded and the other one did not. And you ask the question, particularly in the person who did not succeed in life, because they had the potential, why did it turn out this way? You know, searching through the scriptures and studying the judges, these chapters for the last several weeks, my answer is this. Because Samson followed the sinful desires of his flesh more than the Spirit of God or Yahweh. Samson turned out this way because he followed the sinful desires of his flesh more than the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Yahweh. So that's what I want to show this morning and call us to follow the Spirit of God instead of following the desires of our flesh. So the sermon outline will kind of follow this way. We will begin by looking at times when Samson actually walked in step with the Spirit of God. Because after all, he was chosen by God to be a deliverer of Israel. So there were times that he actually walked with the Spirit of God. And then we will look at times when Samson followed the sinful desires of his flesh. And finally, we'll come back and look at some very specific applications for our lives today. Again, all scripture is God-breathed, and they are written so that we would learn and apply for our lives today. God's word is timeless. It applied then, and it applies so here's the first thing. Samson did great things. Or rather, God did great things through Samson when he walked with the Spirit of God. Samson did great things. God did great things in and through him when Samson walked with the Spirit of God. With the Spirit-empowered strength, Samson killed a lion. Look with me to Judges 14, beginning in verse 5. It says, Then Samson went down with his father and mother to a town called Timnah, and they came to the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, you see the word behold, pay attention because it's so surprising and it is so unbelievable. It is beyond the ordinary. That's what it says. And behold, a young lion came toward him roaring. 
And here's the underlying word there. The, then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And although he had nothing in hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. When Samson followed the Spirit of God, he had strength to kill a lion, a roaring lion, without anything in his hand. Is this surprising? Because, you know, the Bible says the Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead. And therefore, Spirit of God is powerful when, that, when, when he lives in a person. Here it is. Second, with the Spirit-empowered strength, Samson killed 30 of Israel's enemies, the Philistines at the time, in a town called Escalon. And look with me to chapter 14, verse 19. Here again. Look at that phrase. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed on him. And he went down to Ashkelon and struck down 30 men of the town. We see these kinds of things only in movies. You know, one person might be able to, you know, fight and win over 30 people. But here it is. This is the power of the Spirit empowered person. Third, with the spirit-empowered strength, Samson broke the ropes that bound him and killed a thousand Philistines. A thousand people. You see, what happened was, you know, Samson is going around and, and fighting with the Philistines, which is actually the call of God on him. To subdue the enemy nation, the Philistine, and its people. And so he's going around doing all of these things, you know. Uh, uh, for example, kill 30 Philistines. And all of a sudden they are upset and they come looking for Samson. So that's where we pick up the story in Judges 15 verse 11. It says, then the Philistine came up and encamped in Judah and made a raid on Lehi. Verse 10. And they said to him, and they said, We have come up to bind Samson to do to him as he did to us. They had come to take revenge. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Edom. That's where Samson was saying at the time. This is his own people. Judah is one of the tribes of Israel. And said to Samson, we have come down to bind you that we may give you into the hands of the Philistines. Because he was stirring the pot. That was the call of his life from God. To really stir the pot and subdue or defeat the Philistines at the time. But his own people decided that was just too much. This guy is causing trouble. So they come here, come him and, and he say, we have come down to bind you that we may give you in the hands of the Philippines. So they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. Verse 14. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. And again, notice the phrase. Then the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that has caught fire. 
and his bonds melted off his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey and put out his hand and took it. And with it, he struck a thousand men. By the way, some of us do get angsty, confused, not so comfortable talking about here's a guy who is going around and killing enemies. I won't have the time to talk about the Philistines and how terrible they are. They are people you have already seen. They take revenge. They offer their children as sacrifices. I mean, it's terrible. And God has to judge them. And that's why he was doing what he's doing here. It is no different than today that we will, you know, fly over terrorist territories and drop a bomb and kill them. Here's the fourth one. God answered his spirit empowers leaders' prayer. Here's one example. There are at, at least I found two places, but I'm going to give you, for the sake of time, only one example here today. Judges chapter 15, beginning in verse 18. So after fighting with these Philistines who came to kill him or bind him and do, you know, take revenge, and he takes a jawbone and kills 1,000 people, and he was very tired and thirsty. So that's where we pick up the story. And he was very thirsty, and he called upon the Lord and said, You have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant. And shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Verse 19. And God split open the hollow space that is at Lehi, and water came from it. And when he drank, his spirit returned, and he revived, and he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. It's amazing. Now, if you are a believer today, sitting in this worship center, you already have the spirit living in you. That's what the Bible says. This spirit, Holy Spirit, we call him, call him today, takes up residence in us. Therefore, we need to know that God answers our prayers. We need to know that God has given us power to fight and win over the work of the devil. Do you believe that? Do I believe that? I have been asking that question of myself for the past week. See, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came on specific individuals 
and as the Spirit of God came on specific individuals for a certain period of time and they were empowered to do certain things. In the New Testament, the, what's the difference is the Spirit of God comes and takes up residence at the time of salvation and He's here until we are glorified. God did great things through Samson when he walked with the Spirit of God. God can do great things through us when we walk with the Spirit of God. I bet you this. You thought about two different people? The person who succeeded that you said, this person has great potential, and he turned out that way, most likely followed the Spirit of God, walked with the Spirit of God. Think about that. So that's only half of the story of Samson. When he walked in step with the Spirit of God, God did great things through him. Sadly, however, Samson followed the sinful desires of his flesh more than the Spirit of God. You see, earlier in the worship service, we heard it read from Galatians chapter 5. And you have it on the screen, a portion of it. Verse 19 begins this way. The works of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. It's not an exhaustive list. You could add many other things. And the Galatians, in, in the Apostle Paul who wrote this, defines the sinful desires of the flesh. And we see many of them in Samson. In fact, I'm going to give you one or two. There, there are so many in the interest of time. I just want to give you one or two. The first issue with Samson was his sexual immorality. We see that in Judges chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. It says, Samson went down to Timnah. That's a Timnah is actually a town in the enemy nation Philistine. Philistine. And at Timnah, he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives? Or among all our people, that you must go to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? 
Look at Samson's response. But Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. You see, one of the, one of the phrases that repeats throughout the book of Judges is, everyone did what was right in his eyes. And here it is. Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. You see, there's nothing wrong for a man to fall in love with the woman and marry her. The problem here is that Samson wants to marry a pagan woman who worshipped the so-called other gods with the small g, simple g, who are not God at all. They are idols. They are false gods. Samson's parents oppose this not because they are racists, but because Yahweh, their God, had forbidden it. And why did Yahweh forbid this? And here it is. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 3 and 4. This is Moses. Through Moses, God is giving this command to the Israelites. You shall not intermarry with them. In other words, God is preparing them to come to Canaan and occupy the land. And he's saying all of these different people who worship idols are going to be surrounding you. I want you to be different because I have chosen you. Therefore, you shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their son or taking their daughters for your son. And here's the reason. For they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. That's the reason God was not racist. In fact, God is trying to, you know, spread his gospel, the good news of salvation to every tribe and nation and language. God is not racist. And Samson's parents were not racist either. But the reason is, this is why, you know, today we say that, you know, don't be unequally yoked when you are marrying somebody. Make sure that the other person is a follower of Jesus. Because otherwise what happens is they would turn you away from, the, from worshiping the true God and to serve other gods, whatever that might be. Secularism, atheism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, whatever. Furthermore, again, look again in Judges chapter 16, verses 1 and 4. It says more. So here's a Samson. Okay, he saw it. She was beautiful. It doesn't matter whether she was a, you know, following other gods or not. You know, coming from an enemy nation, evil people. It doesn't matter. I want her. And chapter 16. Other encounters of Samson. Samson went to Gaza. And there he saw a prostitute. And he went into her, meaning that he had sex with her. Samson was in love with this woman in, from Tinna. He is a visitor of prostitutes. Verse 4, after this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Samson 
but sexually immoral. And that's one of the works of the flesh. Today, we may, you may not visit a prostitute, but you may visit the internet looking for those kinds of things. Today, you may still be living in your home, but secretly you might be having an affair with somebody else. Those are following the works of the flesh, the sinful desires of the flesh, and those are sexually immoral. Second, Samson had this total disregard for God's calling in his life. Now let's look at Judges chapter 13, beginning in verse 2. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites, that's the tribe of Dan, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing Unclean. By the way, those are underlined, and I'll come back to those because those are related to God's call in Samson's life. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor can come upon his head. That's another one. So don't drink wine, another strong drink. Eat nothing unclean. Don't shave your head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God. That's the key phrase. He had a very specific call. I'm going to tell you what a Nazarite call is. From the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. You see, Samson's birth was miraculous. Miraculous to the proportions of Jesus' birth. What happened to Jesus' birth? Well, the angel of the Lord appeared to Mary, who was a virgin at the time, who had not married somebody else, and she says, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and you will conceive and, and give birth to a son. It's in the same proportion. Same fanfare. You know, that God brought his son into this world, Jesus with great fanfare, and here he's doing the same thing to Samson. And then let me answer the question, what is a Nazarite? What is this Nazarite calling? And here it is in Numbers chapter 6. It's a long passage. I have kind of shrunk it to make the main points here. When either a man or a woman makes a special vow, the vow of a Nazarite, to separate himself to the Lord. In other words, calling of the Nazarite, to be a Nazarite is separating yourself to God. Okay? That's what this means. Verse 5, he shall be holy. That's why don't touch anything unclean. Don't eat anything unclean. He shall not go near a dead body. And also no razor has come on his head. You know, you don't shave and all of those things. 
Here's the thing. Not even for his father or for his mother, for brother or sister, if they, die, if they die, shall he make himself unclean because his separation to God is on his head. You know, you see the, the call there? If you're a Nazarite, don't drink wine and other strong drinks and, you know, don't eat anything unclean, don't touch anything unclean, don't shave your head during the, during the Nazarite lifestyle, and also don't touch a dead body even if that man, your mom or dad, your brother or a sister. That's the call. It is a serious call. Now, in, the Israel, in Israel, people took this vow for a period of time. Let's say a month, six months, sometimes a year or two. Samson's call, God's call and Samson's life, life was, it would be a lifelong commitment to be a Nazarite. That's his call. So his mom while she was pregnant, was very faithful. She didn't do any of those. And then, you know, later on we find, you know, the child is born and he grows in wisdom and knowledge and strength and all of those different things. She was faithful. But not Samson. Here it is in Judges chapter 14, verses 8 through 9. After some days, he returned to take her. This is, remember, he went to Timnah, Saw a woman, he wanted to marry her, he takes his father and mother, and they, they go, usually the way things are done in that culture, in fact, including the culture that I come from, you know, parents meet and, and, they, and they, they, they talk and all of that, so it looks like they agree to, uh, uh, for this particular marriage, so Samson goes home and then comes back. That's where we pick up the story, to actually marry her. Now, remember also when he, when he was going the first time, there was a lion that came in and he killed the lion and left it there. And now he sees the dead lion again. Here it is. And he returned aside to see the carcass of the lion that he had killed during his first trip. And behold, meaning pay attention, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. He scraped it out into his hands and went on, eating as he went. What has, what has he done? He has touched a dead thing. Which was not to be if you're going to be a Nazarite. Not only that, he ate what was in it. And he came to his father and mother and gave some to them. He didn't tell his parents either. And they ate. But he did not, here the author says, he, but he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of the lion. That's just one example. There's many more. You know, in the end, Samson's fall came about because he revealed the secret of his strength to a, a woman by the name Delilah. That is to shave his head and the strength was gone. The Spirit of God left him in and all of those different things. Moreover, Samson had an anger problem. And we see that here, which we won't have the time to go through it. And he had a hot temper. He had leaning towards taking revenge on people. And so in, because of the lack of time, we wouldn't get into all of those. So let me summarize a statement from a commentary. It puts it this way. This is Samson when he was not walking in step 
with the spirit. Instead, followed the sinful desires of the flesh. Here it is. The picture, the book of Judges points, paints of this man is ugly. Samson is disrespectful of his parents. Callous toward his Nazarite calling. Without any loyalty to his own people. Compromising in his ethic. Rude to his wife, which we did not get to see today. Flippant with his tongue. And driven by lust, egotism, and appetite. That is Samson when he was not walking in step with the Spirit. Instead, when he was walking, following the sinful desires of his flesh. Now think about the other person that you thought about. More often than not, a person had great potential, but the potential was not realized. Because they chose to follow the sinful desires of their flesh. That can happen to us. Now here's the question that comes out of this. Is this. Can a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered person like Samson. I mean, how come he so easily followed the sinful desires of his flesh than the Spirit of God. I mean, can this happen to us? I mean, how come the Spirit of God is here and still we seem to be following the sinful desires of our flesh? I mean, how come? It's a good question, by the way. Let me answer it in two different ways so you see a picture on the, on the screen. This, this, this is the explanation. When God created human beings, that I call creation, Adam and Eve, for example, they were sinless. So it's represented by a clean box. And then they sin, and the sin comes into the world. I have represented that as a black box, a darker box. And then those who, those who are in Christ, those who are saved by the Spirit of God, the Spirit comes and takes up residence, but the flesh is still there until we are fully restored and live in new heaven and new earth with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Now, the support for this comes from, next, next slide, please, Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, and here it is. Paul is acknowledging that the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. In that verse, you know, Apostle Paul acknowledges several things. Number one, the flesh and the spirit are together in, in us today. And they are always battling each other. Flesh leads in one direction. The spirit leads in another direction. And we are constantly confused. And we want to follow the spirit, but the flesh is pulling aside. That's why it happens. Therefore, in this Galatians passage, the apostle Paul was emphatic when he says these verses, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
if we live by the Spirit, meaning if we have been saved by the Spirit and made alive by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. God has given us this greatest gift, His Spirit, to live in us. Let's be careful to follow the Spirit. And the question is, how do we do this? It's easier to say it than done, right? So I want to address the how, how question. That's where I, how do we walk in step with the Spirit? I thought long and hard about this. Let me answer it this way. If you are married, do you walk in step with your spouse? Otherwise, there is trouble, right? I hope all of you are walking in step with your spouse. What do you do? What do you actually do to walk in step with your spouse? Because, again, because you live with your spouse in your home, and likewise the Holy Spirit lives in us, so that's why I ended up asking this question. Here are a few things that come. I, I would think the first thing that you would do is that you would spend quality time with your spouse, won't you? Do the same. If you really want to walk in step with the Spirit. Spend quality time with the Spirit of God, who is God himself, the third person of the Trinity, and kind of going to call this as your daily devotional life. Do you have a time that you do your daily devotions? Do you have a place where you do this? Do you, do you know what is that you are going to be doing during this time? Unless we plan to that level of detail, we don't do it. When you wake up early in the morning, which one do you grab first? Is it your cell phone to look at what messages, text messages or emails have come? Or you grab the Bible? Right? Second, communicate. Right? I hope walking in step with your spouse will require communication. So communicate. That means prayer. In that devotional time, pray. Pray to God. Pray to the Holy Spirit. Third, listen. Right? These are the things that we would probably do in walking step with those spouses. You know, spend quality time, communicate, and listen. And listening is what? You know, the, one of the functions of the Holy Spirit is that, you know, he illuminates scriptures, brings those to mind, and causes us to, you know, uh, live according to the, the word of God. He corrects, he, he rebukes, he guides, and he leads all of those you know, through the word of God. In fact, Jesus said that when the spirit of God comes, he will remind you of all the things that I have spoken to you. That's open the Bible and study. Such an intimate walk with God's spirit produces in us a desire to pursue, here are the results or the outcomes, a life of holiness and exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. Further, since we will pray according to the Spirit's leading, we will have answered prayers. And God accomplishes great things through us in this world and for our kingdom. We believed in this so much. You see, on the walls we have hanging these things, banners, there are eight characteristics of disciple makers, I think it's the second one that says, live 
by the Holy Spirit. And here's the definition. Being filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Disciple makers pursue a life of holiness. Bear the fruit of the Spirit in relating with others. And then shepherd others to do the same. That is our call. And I hope the story of Samson causes us to follow, walk in step with the Spirit instead of following the sinful desires of our flesh. May that be so with me, and may that be so with you all as well. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the lesson through Samson. And we pray, Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And we pray that you will help us to walk in step with the Spirit. Every minute, every hour, each and every day, all the days of our lives. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.